Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Caitlin Garrison. Caitlin is on the show today talking about how a little less goes a long way based on my devotional, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. Caitlin has written Sweet Relief, and today she is joining us because she knows the struggle of feeling caught in a perpetual lifestyle of trying to please God and others through outward behavior. In today's episode, Caitlin tackles four prevalent false gospels that can keep us stuck in our cycles of striving. She reintroduces us to the simple gospel that banks on the grace of God rather than our own sufficiency. Join us to walk away confident that your standing with God is not centered on the good things you can do for Him, but on the finished work of Jesus who has already won it all on your behalf. We aren't perfect people. We can exhale when we don't measure up because our hope is not in what we do, but in the reality that God is enough. Hi, Caitlin, and welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So today's conversation is all about how a little less goes a long way based on my devotional, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. And you've written Sweet Relief, How the Gospel Frees Us from a Life of Striving. And I already feel like I can take a big deep breath, like, oh, it's such a relief. So as we begin today's conversation, how was your life characterized by striving? Because I definitely feel like mine is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I would say probably at the height of it, um, you know, my very young adult years, um, I spent so many of those years living like an acrobat for Jesus. <laughs> That's what I call it. So I was living with this very deep seated belief that I had to prove myself to the Lord and like doing all kinds of quote unquote, holy things. And so my life was really characterized by hustle. It was characterized by saying yes to a million different things because they all would contribute to this identity that I was building for myself. And that was just rooted in all of these things that I was doing for God, but not in what he had done for me. So I was tired and exhausted and discouraged because I always felt like I was having a hustle to win God's approval. And so that was really what that season of what that season looked like. And I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Nor would I, I, I think yeah. I could, I could say uh, much of this, the same thing. Like, it's like you were reading my journal. So, um, in your book, you say there is power in four simple words and those words are, I am not enough. So I'd love for you to elaborate on that. Yeah, for sure. Well, before, you know, I kind of unpack it where I get start getting hate mail, <laughs> um, just because I know the, the phrase I am enough is plastered everywhere, right? It's on cups and t-shirts and mugs and, and everywhere. And so I want to kind of start with this disclaimer is that when I talk about this idea of being enough, I'm not necessarily talking about like our intrinsic value as humans, right? We were fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. That's enough, right? But I'm talking about the enough in the sense of sufficiency, right? Into the sufficiency to save ourselves or mature ourselves or um, be self-sufficient in every situation. That's kind of the enough that I'm talking about. And so when we feed ourselves this idea that I'm enough or I'm sufficient all on my own, we're really setting ourselves up for this life of striving because the truth is, is that we were designed to need God. And when we come up against inadequacy or opportunities or circumstances where we find ourselves lacking, there's this beautiful invitation there, um, that we're going to miss if we strive and we try to prove our enoughness. 
Um, and so those moments we have the opportunity to confess, you know what? I am not enough in this situation. Like I'm coming up short. I need help. And in those instances, we have that invitation to rely and depend on the spirit of God inside of us who is enough for every situation that we walk through. And so that brings freedom to us because it allows us to walk in that God-given identity that we're in a partnership with Jesus and we might not be enough, but he is, and we get to witness him be enough. And so does everybody who's watching. Um, and so those four words have been so powerful in my life. And this really freeing when you don't have to be enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you know, I think like, I think in our culture is just, you know, I say in my book, like our culture is just telling us bigger is better. And so we're just constantly, it's like, once we reach one goal, we just move, you know, do we keep just like level up, level up, get the next, yes. next goal, next thing we want more and more and more. And so why do you think our culture is just so prone to striving? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head is that we're just always kind of after the next thing. And I think our culture specifically, like we love a righteousness that we can measure or we like an achievement that we can put on a chart or having these successes that we can share with the world and have them celebrate us for those wins. And so I think that achievement and approval and accolades, all of those things are addicting. And it, I'm reading this book on addiction and dopamine right now, really good by the way, but like all of those things are addicting and it gives us that quick, like dopamine hit, right. Of like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. And it leaves us wanting more. And so it leaves us striving for the next rung of the ladder on our health or in our families, our side hustle, our homes, whatever, like we're, we're after at that point and the list goes on. And so I think there's just so many things that are offered to us in this, in our culture. Um, and it feeds this addiction to approval and achievement. And the truth, the truth is that we're just submerged in this culture that's after those things. And so it's just hard not to jump in with the flow of the culture. Um, so it's just something we have to actively fight against, um, just because our culture is so prone to do these things. You're going to have to give us that book um, so we can link it in the show notes as well. Cause I'm sure everybody's going to be asking for that book that you're reading as well. So give I'm us like that a later. little, I will definitely do that, but huge disclaimer. I am not all the way through it. Okay. <laughs> so okay. Well, maybe like not. chapter six and you're like, this is straight heresy, Caitlin. Why did you share Okay. <laughs> maybe not. We're, we're... <laughs> Let's do, we'll follow up and like, maybe I'll be done next week. That's ambitious. Okay. Of okay. Me. Well, maybe not, maybe not. Um, okay. But, but you're right. There is some science to some of these addictive behaviors and, and what our brains are doing and telling us, but something that you do know, and that you are confident <laughs> in is that you have identified four false gospels that can keep us stuck in our cycles of striving. So what are these four false gospels? Yeah. So you can definitely get a more elaborate description of them um, in my book, but I'll give you like a little snippet of each one. Um, so the first false gospel um, that I talk about is called the DIY gospel. And so it basically debunks this common rebuttal of, but I'm a good person, right? And so the heart of this gospel it proclaims that the righteousness that I bring to the table is enough. And so I don't have a need for the righteousness of Christ. So that's the first one. Um, the next false gospel is the, so that gospel, and this one gets me every time. This is the one I get trapped in the most, but it kind of functions on this input output system where if I live a good moral life, then I should be blessed with a good life in return. 
And so this gospel proclaims that the good news is that we can find security in our good moralistic sacrifices because we think that God's going to repay us by shielding us from suffering or discomfort. And so basically in this false gospel, you just put whatever belief into the equation that I do blank so that God will do blank. And so that's the, so that gospel, um, the gospel of grit. Um, it's just essentially this idea of not necessarily like a workspace salvation, but like a workspace sanctification. So like God did his work by saving me, but now it's my turn to live better, do better, change myself into the image of Christ, but all by my own power. Um, and so this gospel, false gospel, um, kind of the counter counter gospel, it really talks about the Holy Spirit's role in our transformation. Um, and then the last one is called the you do you gospel. <laughs> and this one kind of paints driving in a different light. Um, because this one kind of comes into play when maybe we hear, um, the good news about grace and we don't swing to the side of rigid rule following or like legalistic tendencies, but almost go to the opposite side and like totally disregard discipline or spiritual practices or morals and conclude, um, that, you know what, I'm finally free of all that. Like, I don't need any of that. And, um, this false gospel will lead us to strive because again, we're not living in the freedom that we're made for. Um, and so all of those gospels, no matter what side of the pendulum that they are on, they keep us slaves to our flesh and it's all on us. And so that's kind of a little snippet of those four false gospels. Still, I'm like a little bit of all of those. Like, is that really (laughs) weird that I'm (laughs) Like nope. a, mixed, a mixed up mess of all of this. That's why I wrote it. Cause I was like, um, these are all the ones that I have to go back and like tell myself the real gospel because I be fallen for these all the time. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, something else that we fall for is this lie that like that we're behind and you say you're not behind. And I actually read this statement on your Instagram and I think so many of us feel this way. And so I would love for you just to to talk to us. Like, how would you encourage the woman listening to believe like she is not behind quit believing that lie? Right. I think this one's pretty fresh because I feel like that's the most current lie that has been unwritten in my life. Um, and so kind of what I'll say is the encouragement that brought me through that lie is that there really is nothing more satisfying than when you feel the Lord assure you that you are exactly where you need to be. Like I can think of times in my life where I could have settled for something or settled for someone because I bought into this lie that I'm behind. And I'll tell you what, I would have made the worst (laughs) mistakes, but I would have also missed out on some of the biggest blessings. Um, and so just the prayer that I would kind of encourage everybody with is just asking the Lord, like, Lord, will you please reassure my heart that where I am right now is where you want me to be? Because when I have that kind of contentment, I'm less tempted to act on these decisions out of fear that I'm behind. Um, and so I wish it was, you know, easier than that. (laughs) It's, It's easier said than done, but like, I'll just say that that prayer has brought a lot of assurances. Like, Lord, will you just remind me right now that I am where I'm supposed to be? Because I know that I really don't want to be anywhere else. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And such a good reminder. 
Uh, you know, I think something else that we are prone to do as strivers is to make our spiritual disciplines even become a spiritual checklist. Like we even yeah. make that become about earning. Um, mm-hmm. So how do we make spiritual disciplines an opportunity to align our minds and hearts with God instead? Uh-huh. I think when we're caught up already in those patterns of striving in our brains, then we can easily turn Bible reading into a chore and spiritual practices into this like checklist for our own righteousness. And so if we have this mindset, our goal is going to be to earn something through from God, like you said, and we're going to think like, okay, my transformation, it's all on me. And this hardens us, like it hardens us more than we think it does, um, because it encourages us to put our trust in ourselves rather than in the power of the Holy Spirit, who is the one who transforms us. Um, But when we kind of bring ourselves back to the gospel and we realize like, hey, the Holy Spirit is the one who transforms me. And yes, I put in the work by showing up and I read and reading scripture and doing all of these things, but I'm doing it from a place of knowing my standing with God and the role of the Holy spirit. And it's not about earning something from him. It's about knowing him and enjoying him and letting his word lead our lives. And so I think the thing I always come back to is, is am I trying to earn something um, that helps me not turn that into a chore or into a, you know, a checklist. Uh, and, and like kind of on the same, the same train of thought, but a little bit yeah. different. Like, I think we can even chase achievement in the name of Jesus. Like, Absolutely. Lord, I did all of these things in your name. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I wrote a book for you. I have a podcast for you. I yeah. lead a Bible study for you. I like serve on these ministries, I work in the nursery. <laughs> like, yeah. like, how can we be careful not to even strive in our relationship for him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that same, that same question that we just talked about is like, am I trying to earn something right now? Like nine times out of 10, I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, but I might ask myself, like, do you think you're going to earn more favor? If you read your Bible this morning, do you think you're going to earn more favor by praying? Do you think you're going to earn more favor by saying yes to that opportunity? Even though your plate's already full, is there any part of me that thinks I'm trying to earn something from God by doing X, Y, Z. And so I think that that question really brings us back to the heart of why I find myself striving in my relationship with God, because there's still a part of me that doesn't believe that what Jesus did is enough. And so asking myself that question, I think it really brings me back to a place where I can remind myself of the finality of what Jesus has done. And after I've kind of reminded my heart, then from that place of truth, I'm able to go into these beautiful things that Jesus has put in our path to do, right? These practices that really do form our soul, but we're able to go into those things and like prayer and Bible reading and serving other people from this belief that I'm not doing any of these things to be accepted by God, but I can walk into these things knowing I'm fully accepted by God and do them from a place of freedom. And then I get to walk into those things freely and be formed and shaped by those things. And so I think, again, it goes back to that question. Am I trying to earn something right now? That one gets me. (laughs) That one gets me. (laughs) It gets me too. And I think you're, you're, you're so spot on. Like Jesus said, it's finished. Like mm-hmm. he has done the work and and we don't have yeah. to, yes, there's good work for us to do because yeah. of our salvation, sure. um, but we don't have to earn our salvation. I think that's like definitely the distinction. Um, something that you wrote 
uh, is that perhaps one of the enemy's greatest tactics is that we would get so busy doing things for God that we would find less important and even less productive ways to spend our time with God, or that we would find it less important mm-hmm. and even less productive to spend time with God. Um, and I, I do find that it's like, oh, well, I've got so many things to go and do, like uh, praying and reading my Bible. That's that's not productive. Like what in the world? Yeah. But we can get into mm-hmm. that lie. So how do we guard against that? Yeah. I mean, this is the story of my actual life. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I, I'm always coming back to this place, but um, you know, that question really kind of brings my mind back to um, the Israelites, right. In their season of wandering when every morning they had to go and collect manna or their daily bread. I mean, every day. And they were given specific instructions. Like you can't store it up for the next day. Like it's not an option to live on yesterday's manna. <laughs> and so I think this is so often what it's like with our time with the Lord, that it's a daily necessity for my soul. Like our soul needs that. Like we need him and not to say like, well, if you spend time with him, you know, Monday, like it doesn't carry over. Like what you've learned in the past can't carry over. Like, I'm not necessarily saying that, but like when I meet with the Lord every day, it does so much good for my soul because I've got to be daily reminded who I am in him, who I am to him and what things really matter. And so that time with him really equips me for that day. And so over time, I think the more we make practice of this, we realize how much our souls just love that time with him. And it becomes less about duty and it becomes more about delight. Right. And so I think just reminding ourselves that our time with the Lord and spending time with him, like it's our soul's necessity. It's like our daily manna that we go and we get to get every single day. Something you talk about self-sufficiency versus spirit dependency. So what is the difference and how can we learn to rely on God and others instead of just ourselves? Yeah. So self-sufficiency, you know, kind of just lives up to its name, right? It's when we actively live our lives according to our own skill set or our own abilities, our own performance, our own talents. And the, this, the stinky thing about this is that like everything is up to us when we live this way, it's a ton of pressure. Um, but spirit sufficiency is when we acknowledge that like, yes, God has given me all of these things to steward well, but we ultimately realize that the power to do what he's called us to do, it'll be because of the power of his spirit in us. And so life is so much better (laughs) when we live needy on God and needy on other people, because it's not all about us anymore, right? It becomes what he can do through us. And so I think it's just living in this place as we're having to learn, like I'm running into things God has called me to and like giving him my best, but also relying on him at the exact same time. And that's how we were designed, right? It's how we were made. I think that goes, it kind of plays into my next question. You know, like if we are feeling insecure and inadequate, like sometimes that's actually maybe a a good thing because then we are dependent on the Lord. Like we realize our need for him. Like we can't do this on our own. So you actually say inadequacy is not a disqualification. So I'd love for you to, to talk more about that. Yes. This is like my favorite thing ever, because so many times I thought that inadequacy would like disqualify me from something. I'm like, Oh, well, I guess this isn't what I'm supposed to do. But I think a lot of us are that way, right? We think our inadequacies disqualify us from this race that God's called us to do. But in reality, those inadequacies are little invitations from God. And they remind us, hey, God, 
I need you in this situation. Um, and so our inadequacies, when we come up against those, those are the very thing that remind us that we were built for need. We were made to need God and other people, and we actually thrive when we do this. So in my book, inadequacy has become a beautiful thing, not something to run from, but like totally lean into. Yeah. Same in my book. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love it. So one of the other, I, there's lots of impactful quotes, clearly, because I keep <laughs> quoting you, but one of the most in, other in, impactful quotes that I read from you says that we can reject God's grace by trying to earn it. So why do you think that we try to pay God back for what he's so freely given us? I know we've kind of t- talked about this, um, but is yeah. there anything else you have to say about that? Yeah, I think it goes back to like exactly what we talked about earlier, right? We live in this culture that loves a righteousness that we can earn. And so I think that's the earthly reality we live in, right? It's all about earning and it doesn't feel natural to us to get something so good without feeling an urge to pay it back. Like that's just the reality of the earth we live in. Um, But, you know, when we consider the kingdom reality that we've been given this priceless gift in Jesus. Our earthly reality doesn't have a context to this. It's like, wait, what? No, like I don't have a framework to put that in. And so I think this is why it's so important. Like we've talked about to be with Jesus and sit under the teachings of Jesus, because he speaks to our heart about this other kingdom and this other way of living and this other way of receiving. Um, and the more we sit under him and walk with him, our hearts truly do become acquainted with the ways of the kingdom rather than the ways of our culture. Oh, I I love that you say that we are not perfect people, that we can excel when we don't measure (laughs) up. And that is a relief. So what do you Mm -hmm. hope that readers and listeners glean as they listen today and read your message? Yeah, I think my hope is just to see this, you know, past generations, present and future generations of women following Jesus because we believe that he's enough right. Then rather than trying to do all of these things in Jesus name, because we're trying to prove that we're enough because that's going to lead us to burnout. And so my hope is that when people read this book or hear this podcast, that they're going to hear the gospel in a fresh way, even if they've heard it a million times and that they'll be able to leave behind this lifestyle of performing for God, like an acrobat, but instead to walk in the identity as ambassador, ambassadors of Christ, banking on the power of God rather than on ourselves. That's my hope. So while we're tempted to do more, how would you actually encourage us to do less? And as we come to a close, how has a a little, how has less actually gone a long way in your own life? Yeah. So I think when we're tempted to do more, this sounds so simple. It's ask the question, why, (laughs) why does me doing more somehow contribute to my identity? Does it make me feel more holy? Do I think I'm earning something by doing more? And if so, I need to reconsider. I need to remind myself of my identity, the worth that I get from Jesus and what he's done. And then I can ask Jesus and I can ask the Lord, the one who holds all the wisdom and say, do I pick this up? And I think that's been a question in this season that I've really had to go back back and ask him how, you know, in the midst of all these new opportunities coming is, do I pick it up? And I've found that, you know, how has less gone a long way? I think Sticking to a few things has really led to me being able to invest more into those things. I think previously I thought that quantity was where it at, where it's at, but quality really is where it's at. Because when I'm just doing a few things that God has told me to pick up, then I can invest all of myself into it. I can really just be more effective in a few things than I can in a ton of things. And so, um, 
really, I found that that is the better way to live is to just be doing a little bit. And I can do a lot with a little that I'm doing. (laughs) I needed to hear that today. Um, I've been feeling overwhelmed. And I think it's because I've picked up too many things that maybe God has told me not to. I'm trying to earn my way (laughs) to him and people please and all of the things. So today was especially helpful for me. I know I want to stay connected with you. I'm sure listeners are going to want to. So tell us how we can just do that. Yeah, you can find me in, intermittently. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you on Instagram. Um, sometimes I hang out on Facebook stories is where I'm at these days. Um, I also have a website, CaitlinGarrison.com. You can find me there. Um, any of those places you can keep in touch with me. All right. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for being my guest today and helping us to believe that a little less goes a long way. And man, that is a sweet, sweet relief. Thank you for so much. Sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Caitlin Garrison. We hope that today encouraged you to believe that a little less goes a long way. This week, your little task is to realize that no matter how small your position or task, humbly obey God's directives and watch the healing and cleansing that can take place for you and others around you. If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or Facebook. I'd love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive your weekly love offering newsletter. And all of this information can go straight to your inbox each week. You can also listen to previous podcast episodes. You can read the blog series and you can download free resources like the Who You Say I Am devotional that I collaborated with 31 writers to talk about your God-given identity. I would love to share that resource with you. Again, you can find all of that information at rachelkadams.com. Next week, my guest is David Arthur. David is on the show talking about how a little mentorship goes a long way. I can't wait to chat with you again then, but until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.